This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. today and we're going to talk about being mercy givers. You know in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus taught us this. He said, "Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy." Well, I don't know about you, but I like mercy. And I need mercy. I'd raise both feet if I wouldn't fall. I need mercy. So God's call upon us as his people is to reveal his mercy by demonstrating it to those around us. You know, I like this love mercy stuff. Don't you? I mean, I'm glad I hadn't got to figure out, you know, does this one get it or does that one get it? It Just everybody gets it. That's easy to remember, isn't it? Just just love everybody and give mercy to everybody. (laughs) In our daily lives, there are many opportunities to reveal God's mercy through acts of kindness and compassion toward people. You know, people respond to love. About a, about a year and a half ago, I got a little puppy dog for my sweetie over there. She kept working on me. And all the kids were gone, so I got her a little puppy dog. You know, even little Sammy, Samson, we call him Sammy, even he responds to love. Isn't that right? Everybody just responds to love. And we can show mercy to those who need it most. Isn't that right? Those whose lives may have been hit by a blow from life. You ever had something happen in life? Everything's going along great, and then all of a sudden, bang. Life happens. Those people need mercy, don't they? Or those who have made a mistake and are now suffering the consequences. Oh, boy. It's so tempting to want to go to the rock pile, isn't it? When people mess up. You know what I mean by that? We're going to pick up a rock, too. Because, you know, when we judge, that's what we're doing. We're throwing a rock. Boy, it's easy to do. But, you know, by allowing mercy to shape our attitudes and rule our actions... We keep ourselves from becoming judgmental and self-righteous. So look for opportunities to sow mercy into the lives of those around you. And you know what? You might just build a bridge for them to come to God and receive His salvation. So my question today is, is mercy for everyone or just for the deserving ones? Hmm. Let's look over, if you will, let's look at Matthew 4. I quoted that, but let's go over there and read it because it's so good. We want to read that. Matthew 5, verse 4. Jesus, this is what we call the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. And he says this in verse 4. He said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So if you are ever thinking that you might need mercy, if not today, maybe before the day's over, or maybe before the week's over, that you might need mercy, then it would probably be a good idea to what? Extend mercy now. Isn't that right? 
Be merciful. You know, I have all kind of people that always are, you know, as soon as they find out that you're, you know, in the, in the South, they say you're a preacher. You know, everybody's a preacher. You know, doesn't matter what your calling is, you're a preacher. You know that. If you're from the South, you know that. But, you know, as soon as they find that out, boy, you know, they want to draw you into all these debates. Well, what about this? And what about that? And what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And they want to get you into all these kind of debates about things. And especially, you know, they want to draw you into things that, you know, kind of wash over into our culture, into the political correctness of the day. And they want to get you to make a stand or something so they can, you know, accuse you of being narrow-minded and all this, you know. But here's the thing I tell them. I said, listen, I'm just going to show people mercy. And, you know, here's the thing. God's showing everybody mercy. We're going to see that. We've talked about that. God shows everybody mercy. Does that mean that God agrees with everything everybody's doing? So if I show mercy to somebody, does that mean I have to agree with how they're living or where they're at right now? If God can do it, it must be all right for me to do it. Because Jesus said that I'm to show mercy. Isn't that true? He didn't say, now, you go judge everybody. Just as God judges everybody. He didn't say that. He said, you extend mercy, and in return, when you need mercy, it's going to be extended to you. Mm. Let's look, if you will, look at Luke 10. I'm going to talk about the great, what we refer to as the great commandment. Luke 10, verse 25. The great commandment basically boils down to this, love God, love your neighbor. Well, this Christianity stuff's not all that hard. I mean, well, it can be if you try to do it on your own, but it's not that complicated. Luke 10, verse 25, listen. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What's written in the law? What's your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, You've answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. So we're going to stop there just for a moment. So he said here, the, two, the, the great commandment is this, if we want to live, to love God and to love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. Now, most of us don't have too big of a struggle with the first thing, do we? Now, I could meddle about what it means to love God, but we're not going to go there today. But you see what he said, you love the Lord your God, what? With all your heart, your innermost affections, desires, he's before anything else in your heart. He said, with all your soul, that's your mind, your will, your emotions, amen. You know, I, I will love the Lord and I will believe the Lord. That's what I will to. Because why? He said to love Him with your will, didn't He? With all your strength, wow, and with all your mind. So maybe meditate on that sometime. He said, love God. But the one I want us to, to, to focus in on today because we're talking about becoming mercy or being mercy givers is that second one. He said, and your neighbor as yourself. 
Now, see, it's not enough in the context of Jesus' answer just to love God rightly. He said, and, and is a conjunction, isn't it? it? It means these two ideas are connected. These thoughts are connected together. And he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Mm. So, in verse the next verse there, he says, but he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So now we get down to it, don't we? See, he wanted to parse everything out. I want to know, you know, just how far I can go and still make it in, Lord. And see how close I can get to the edge here without falling off the platform. Let's see, can I, how much weight can I get this way? We're not trying to see how close we can walk to the edge, are we? And see, he was wanting to parse it. He said, that's great, but now who is my neighbor? Oh, that's people that like me. That's my neighbor, right? That's people that believe just like I believe. That's my neighbor. It's the people that live on either side of me and across the street. Those are my neighbors. See, everybody wants to try to define who our neighbor is. So let me try to help you from the Scriptures kind of define who our neighbor is is first it's those in need notice Jesus answered him and said a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing wounded him and departed leaving him half dead now by chance a certain priest came down that road uh uh-oh and when he saw him passed by on the other side boy I wouldn't want him to be my priest would you He passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite. Now, the Levites served in the temple. They helped to, to, to serve and to take care of, of things in the temple. It says, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came. Now, he did a little bit later. He walked over and looked at the guy. Probably had a warm feeling. Bless your heart. We would say in the south. <laughs> Be thou warmed and filled. We're faith people. <laughs> it says he looked, <clears throat> but then he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan saw him and had compassion. Now, let me stop here a minute. <clears throat> now, Jesus, on purpose, chose in this story, this parable, these particular people for a reason. The people you would think were to be would have compassion on this man, the priest and the Levite. They were too busy. They couldn't be bothered. But now this Samaritan stopped. Now, you got to understand in that culture, a Samaritan was an outcast. They were seen by the Jews as uh, uh, people of uh, mixed races. They, 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 they mixed uh, certain things of Judaism with certain things of paganism and, and everything else. And, and I mean, the, no respectable Jew is going to have anything to do with Samaritans. As a matter of fact, usually when, when they had to uh, journey from the northern part of Israel down toward Jerusalem, many times they would plan their trip and circumnavigate because you'd have to go through Samaria. They would go around it. But you remember Jesus, when he traveled, he went right through it, didn't he? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
So he says, this Samaritan, this person that you think is not so holy and not so righteous and doesn't have it all together, was the one who showed him compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring in, uh, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Wow. Wow. See, Jesus is answering his question, who is my neighbor? Now, he didn't even know this guy. He'd never seen him before in his life. Brought him to him, took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. Wow. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, the lawyer said, he who showed mercy on him. Jesus didn't. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. So who is our neighbor? Those in need. Jesus said what? Go and do likewise. Can I hear a holy grunt out there? Listen, it inconvenienced him to show mercy. It cost him to show mercy. Hello? It was a little inconvenient for Jesus to go to Calvary. I'm speaking tongue-in-cheek, you know. It was more than a little inconvenient, wasn't it? See, we, sometimes we're like James said over there. We want to just say, okay, God bless you. Go be warmed and filled. One of the reasons that... Uh, from your giving that we make sure we support things both locally and in other places around the world that is alleviating the needs and the hurts of people because what? It's a tangible way to show them that God cares first. See, it might be, this is why I say many times mercy is a bridge. It might be if you started showing mercy to those people around you, they may be more open to hear the message of the gospel. Are you listening? To be merciful to them. I don't know about you, but man, when I was a sinner, I really didn't need anybody to tell me that. I knew if there was one, I was it. I really didn't, I, you know. I had no illusions that I was wonderful. But I sure needed somebody to show me mercy. And Jesus said, you know, the perfect storm is when you see somebody with a need, Passion Church, and you can meet that need. All of a sudden, you know what you've become? A mercy giver. And you become, and you are exemplifying the very character and nature of God. And he, when people say, why do you do this? Oh, hallelujah. They, I mean, they just opened the door for you. Why do I do this? Well, let me tell you why. <laughs> I've been the recipient of mercy from God. And the mercy I'm showing you is the same mercy that I was shown. And if you think this is mercy, let me tell you about all the mercy God has for you. All of a sudden, 
you've got credibility. All of a sudden, you've got a genuine footing that you can speak into those person, that person's life. Why? Because you've shown them mercy. Listen, we get this message out, our church houses will be full. Come on. Do you know the Bible says, we looked at this last week, God's not mad at anybody. He's not mad. So you just get over it. I mean, you know, I've seen some Christian boy, I've, even people, you know, on radio and TV, some ministers. Man, you know, I wouldn't listen to them 30 seconds. And I'm saved. Because they come, they're all angry and mad. And they're, you know, they want half, half, half the sinners to be judged and the other half to fall alive into hell. But the Bible says that, that God, because of His mercy, was in Christ reconciling the world, the world, not the church, the world, to Himself. Okay. So those in need, those who cannot repay you. There's no indication in Jesus' parable that this man ever was repaid or that he was looking for repayment. Isn't that true? Look, if you will, over to Luke 14. You're close there, a couple of pages over. Luke 14. We're talking about who is my neighbor? Those in need, those who cannot repay you. Verse 12 there, Jesus was speaking to them. Then he, then he also said to him who had invited him, that invited him, you know, to his home for, for a meal. He says, when you give a dinner or a supper... Do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor your rich neighbors, lest they invite you back and you be repaid. Now, let me just clarify. He's not saying that it's wrong to ever do that. But he's saying also, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. When we get in our new facility, we're going to do some of this. I said, we're going to do some of this. We'll have some fellowships for us, but we're going to have some meals for some people. We're going to bring them in. We're going to show them the love and the mercy of God. We're going to see some folks get saved. Amen. You say, why are we going to do that? Because Jesus said to. (laughs) Enough said, right? He said, and you will be, what, blessed because what? They cannot repay you. Wow. Wow. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. I remember at the church I pastored down in South Florida, uh, at our facility there, we had a a big fellowship hall, and we had a a big, uh, like an industrial-type kitchen, you know, with the big ovens and all. And, and, you know, once a week, we always fed the homeless and ministered to them. Bring them in, man. We, we had a clothes closet. We, we gave them clothes, you know. We gave them socks, you know. We gave them, you know, stuff to wash with, you know. Because, I mean, they're living, I'm talking about they're living out, I mean, out in the bushes. They come in, you know, and they're all beat up. They got cut up and something. They was in a fight or somebody robbed them and they're all beat up and bloody and everything. They come in and, and boy, do that. Woo! Didn't smell the best. We'd feed them, man, pray for them, preach the gospel to them. Man, oh, man. See, that we're going to do some of that. We get, so you get ready. If you don't like to be around smelly people, 
This might not be the place for you. Come on. Or somebody comes sit down next to you and they hadn't bathed in a week. You going to be offended? Or are you going to show them mercy? Woo. And gone to meddling early on, hadn't I? Listen, that'll test your love. Jesus said, all these other people that are like you can treat you like you. <laughs> but he said, you bring in those who are not like you, who can't repay you, who can't do it. He said, then that's where the blessing is. Those in need. And let's go a little step further. If that wasn't enough, those in need, those who cannot repay you, Jesus said, your enemies. Uh-oh. Look over Matthew 5 again. Boy, this, listen. Somebody says, when are we going to get to the deep stuff? This is the deep stuff. Oh, I said, come in here and the worship team's got the music going and we got the ambiance going. Everybody's in here worshiping and God's moving and I love that. But that's not the deep stuff. Loving your enemies. Showing mercy to those in need and can't repay you. That's the deep stuff. Because you only, go, listen, your human flesh is not going to want to do that. It takes the love of God to show that kind of mercy. Jesus said, you've heard what it was said. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Oof. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Boy, this is getting deeper all the time, isn't it? This is some deep spirituality right here, folks. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Woo! That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? He said, don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you gr greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So how do we become perfect? We show this mercy and love to our enemies. Now see, there's a progression here. Who is my neighbor? To those in need. That's one degree of showing God's mercy and love. To those who cannot repay you, now we're going a little bit deeper and showing God's mercy and love. But now, to your enemies, Jesus said, now you're getting on toward perfect in love. Ooh. He said, you're becoming, you're looking like Papa. You're looking like Daddy. You're looking like your father now. Mm-hmm. Sure wish this place was full. They need to hear this. Glad you're here. Your enemies. Listen, folks. This, this, is, this is genuine New Testament Christianity. Just like casting out devils and laying hands on the sick and speaking with tongues and all those other things. I love them too. But I'm going to tell you, this is where the rubber meets the road right here. I've told you before, maybe you've, you've experienced that too. I've been criticized by experts. And boy, your flesh, I'm going to tell you what your flesh wants to do. Woo. Well, I ain't going to tell you. But you know. 
But, but Paul said, what, we keep our flesh under. Isn't that right? If he didn't want to do wrong, he wouldn't have said to keep it under. His flesh is not redeemed yet. Y'all found that out? You know, you slam, slam the door on your thumb, you find out this flesh ain't redeemed. Woo-wee. So, so we see there's a progression. And see, mercy is one way that we begin to see the love of God perfected in us. It's in there because Romans 5, 5 says the love of God's been what? Shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, the love of God's in there. But, the, you know, we got to get it out before it does anybody any good. And one of the ways we do that is we become mercy givers to those who are in need, those who cannot repay us, and then even to our enemies. He said, now, he said, you're beginning to be perfected in love. Wow. Say that backwards. Wow. And then also to our brothers and sisters. Look over in Galatians chapter 6. We're talking about being mercy givers. And of course... When we emulate the Father, when we emulate Jesus, then I'm telling you, that's when God's love, God's mercy, and you know what's going to follow those two things? God's power. You go back and read in the New Testament how many times people, when Jesus was in their presence, they would cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And it said, then Jesus, moved by compassion, he spoke to them or he laid hands on them. And you know what followed? Power and healing and deliverance and forgiveness of sins. You want God to use you more in those areas with his power? Then I'm going to tell you what, you begin to be a giver of mercy. And let compassion of God flow out from you. And I'm going to tell you, what's going to begin to accompany that is going to be the power of God. Not only in the tangible thing that you give them, whether it be food or or clothing or whatever it may be to help meet a need, but the power of God is going to begin to flow through that into their lives. And that's what we want, isn't it? And you know what? God will move on the street. He'll move in the supermarket. He'll move anywhere that His people will be available for Him to move. You can show mercy to people waiting in line. (laughs) Givers of mercy. Mercy givers. Now, I want to talk about Judgment seasoned with mercy, too. Somebody says, well, what about, Pastor, aren't you talking about all this mercy and compassion? What about judgment? I mean, aren't we to judge what's wrong? I mean, you know. Well, let's look over in John 8. Whatever the Scripture says, that's what we're going to do. Amen? If it says do that, then that's what we're going to do. Jesus said this, you know, to one of His disciples, Philip. He said, Philip... Speaking of, Jesus speaking of himself. He said, if you've seen me, Jesus speaking of himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Isn't that right? So whatever, Jesus said, whatever I see my Father do, that's what I do. Whatever I hear my Father say, that's what I say. Isn't that right? So we can't go wrong if we emulate Jesus, we look at Jesus, and we emulate Jesus, then we're going to be on good ground. Would you agree? All right. 
John 8, verse 3. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, I don't know about you, but at least as I understand it, I don't think you can commit adultery by yourself. So I want to know is where was the, where was the guy? Where was the feller? See, that's the thing about judgment. Whenever we judge, it's always partial. It's always inaccurate and without having the whole facts. All right. <laughs> that is good, isn't it? He said, now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. But what do you say? They, this they said, testing him, that they may have something with which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He was without sin among you. Let him throw a stone at her first. Mm. In other words, the throwing of a stone was the act of judgment. And see, when we, out of our mouth, begin to judge other people, we have just gone to the stone pile and picked up a rock. Jesus said, that's okay, long as you're without sin. Nobody looking to drop that rock behind me. Again, he stooped down, wrote on the ground, those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, the only one who had the right to condemn and judge withheld judgment. So here's what I mean by judgment seasoned with mercy. Let's leave the judgment to God and to God's Word, and let's extend mercy to those who are in need. It'll sure uncomplicate your life. Isn't that right? It'll uncomplicate your life. Because God's the only one who knows people's hearts, who knows, has got all the facts, who knows from the beginning to the end everything about that situation and everything about that person. And He alone has all the facts to make a righteous what judgment. And He has no hidden motives. Isn't that true? Oh, I saw them do this or do that. The Bible says love covers a multitude, a multitude, say that word, multitude of sins. 
You know how many are in a multitude? That's the whole point. <laughs> when, when, you know, when, when they, there were numbers that couldn't be counted, the Bible just says there was a multitude. I know on one occasion, when he's talked about the multitude, there were at least 20,000 people there. When he was feeding the, you know, the, says the 5,000 besides men and women. That's a lot. <laughs> I agree with you. That's a lot. So let the perfect judge, the perfect one judge, and let us show mercy. Let us show mercy. I said, let us show mercy. Isn't that right? And you know, by doing that, I truly believe, you know what we'll do? We'll build bridges. We build bridges. I don't want to. You know, the Bible talks about this. Jesus talked about it. He said, don't, be a, don't put a stumbling block in front of people. Isn't that right? That's really the law of love, isn't it? I'm just not going to put a stumbling block in front of people. I'm not going to build a wall that would, that would be a, a, a further barrier between where they are and God. I want to tear down as many barriers as I can. Isn't that right? I want to help them get to God because when they get to God, they're going to be made whole. See, all judgment does is keep them right where they are. You're no good. Like I said, nobody needed to tell me that. I already knew that before I came to the Lord. Tell me something I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, how we say, you know, somebody comes in and they're, they're dripping wet and you ask that dumb question, you know, is it raining? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we can be build, bridge builders by showing mercy to people acts of kindness acts of compassion you know we, we can just show mercy to people because you know what we build a bridge we tear down anything that is separating their guilt their condemnation other people listen there's going to be enough people already judging them that it's going to be so good they, they meet someone who pardon me, will really show the love of God to them and what build a bridge that will help get them to the Savior. Isn't that right? Jesus said, I didn't come, you know, for those who are well. He said, I came for the sick. So those who are away from God, who are bound up, whether in sin or whatever, whatever the bondage may be, whatever it may be, it may be things that, that you, don't, you don't agree with, that you don't like, that, you know, in your own self, you would have nothing to do with, but because Jesus loves them. You know, I've found this, when I'm tempted to judge somebody, if I'll think for a minute and say, you know what, Jesus, and I can just picture Jesus on Calvary, died for that person. Man, all of a sudden, how can I not value them? If he valued them enough to die, I can certainly value them enough to what to extend God's mercy to them. He loved that person. Mm. We're talking about being mercy givers. Let me give you some action points here before we conclude. <clears throat> Have you ever needed mercy and got judgment? Anybody in the room? Need mercy and got judgment. You know, that, do you remember how that felt? You remember how that struck you? 
uh, do you remember, uh, did it help you any? <laughs> it's just like somebody put a, you know, an extra 50-pound weight on the weight you were already carrying. So here's what I would encourage you to do. Find someone this week, find someone in your world. You know what I mean by that, where you, you live and work and move. In your world this week, who needs mercy? Maybe you already know somebody that needs mercy. Show somebody mercy on purpose this week. A kind act, compassion, whatever it could be. It could be anything from some encouraging words to prayer to actually meeting a need, physical need, whatever it might be. But find someone that you can show an act of mercy to. No strings attached. And, of course, if they ask you why, then they've just opened the door. You've got a good opportunity to share with them. It's a, it's a great way to witness to people. It's a great way to reach out and lift people. That's what Jesus is all about. He's about lifting people. This woman caught in adultery through selective judgment. <laughs> they brought her in. But Jesus said, you know what? He said, I don't condemn you. Go and be free. Go and live free. Be forgiven. Be made whole. Be delivered. Isn't that right? Absolutely. So find someone in your world this week who needs mercy. And then be God's representative to show mercy through some kind of act of kindness. Something you can do. You know? I mean, it's just unlimited. I bet if we... Just started throwing out ideas here. We could make a list, you know, from here to Wetumpka of things you can do. Just natural, practical things you can do to show the mercy of God and to create a bridge to God. And that's really what it's all about, isn't it? And you know those people that you show acts of mercy to? You know, you begin to do that. Then you say, hey, why don't you come go to church with me? next week. You know what? They're going to be open to come with you. Amen. God can touch their life. Of course, you don't have to wait to get them to church, but you can invite them here. That'd be good. But show some, some acts of kindness and some acts of mercy. Hallelujah. Maybe you are a candidate for some mercy yourself this morning. Before we close, I want to pray for you. Maybe you need mercy. You need mercy in your life. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave, what, His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him, what, would not perish. Would not perish. Without Jesus, you know, we all have a shelf life. You know? I don't know what your shelf life is. Some people is 50, 60. Some people, their shelf life is younger. But without Jesus, we all got a shelf life, don't we? We're going to perish without Him. There's a shelf life. And you may think, oh, you know, i got plenty of time. Well, I hope you do. But I don't know how you know that for sure. You may think that, and we all hope with you that that's true. But the Bible, that's why the Bible says today is the day for salvation. And he just says this. He said, if you will believe in your heart that God's raised Jesus from the dead, and you will, what, confess him with your mouth as Savior and Lord, 
the Bible says you will be saved. What does it mean to be saved? It means that, number one, that all of my sins, my mistakes, everything I've done wrong, all my life will be immediately forgiven. It will be as if they never existed. The Bible says it will be like the east is from the west. You know, no matter how far east you go, you never go you're never going west. No matter how, how far west you go, you're never going east. They're, they're totally removed from each other. Isn't that right? And he said, that's the way your sin's going to be. And then secondly, he said, not only that, he said, I'm going to give you a brand new life. You become a child of God. The Bible says it this way. Whoever believes on Jesus is in Christ. In other words, you have what? And you've become a brand new creation, brand new person. So now you're a child of God. Heaven's your home. All the promises in this book, the Bible, belong to you. You're part of the family of God. You can be a part of the family of Passion Church. We welcome you in with wide open arms because we all came in the same way. Nobody's grandfathered in. <laughs> I'm glad if your grandfather was a believer and your mom and dad was a believer, that's great, but you can't, be, you can't come in that way. You got to come in. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.